Hello and welcome to the WSTA podcast, a new way to bring the latest news from the industry and the WSTA. Uh, WSTA podcast episodes will cover a range of topical issues as they arise, as well as more regular features such as WSTA's data publications. And that's what we're going to start with today. Uh, this week, WSTA released its quarterly market report for 2016 quarter two. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please go and have a look on our website. Uh, my name is Kieran Miles. I am the Research and Insights Manager at the WSTA, and here with me to discuss the key issues arising from the report is Carlo Gibbs, our Head of UK Policy and Social Responsibility. Carlo, well. So, uh, a few sort of interesting points of reference. So, for example, the yearly, tr- yearly value sales of OnTrade uh, have reached uh, £24 billion for the first time. That's um, impressive. That is very impressive. The off-trade is just below £16 billion, so uh, overall we're looking at just shy of £40 billion. Uh, just to delve into that a little bit deeper, since uh, quarter one of 2012, which is when the WSTA market report began, um, just going forward, if we refer to that as the base, rather than always saying yeah. quarter one 2012, because that's going to get really laborious. Yeah. Uh, but since that time, um, the on-trade value sales uh, in yearly terms has um, gone up by over 7%. And the off-trade in this sense is actually beating the on-trade. Uh, it's uh, grown by nearly 9%. Mm. So, um, so there's good news overall uh, for the industry. Which is interesting because the, the, the value growths are going up, but actually volumes uh, in the on-trade particularly are, are still struggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, so overall, they're, kind of, they're going down. Yes. And I guess that reflects the um, premiumization of a lot of products, particularly yeah, yeah. on-trade. So when you see values far exceeding growth of inflation, then you can see that actually it, it, it's a trend towards, you know, more expensive, maybe drinking a little bit less, but yeah. paying a little bit more. For it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing about that is that, um, we'll get onto this later, but sparking wine is, uh, you know, sort of in terms of growth, is absolutely massive at the moment. But uh, their prices per litre um, are kind of going down a lot of the time. So there's an interesting sort of dichotomy going on there, which we can maybe discuss a bit later. Um, but going into sort of further detail, the growth categories are uh, spirits and in particular gin uh, and sparkling wine, including champagne in both channels are doing really well at the moment. So uh, there's been a lot of coverage about gin at the moment. So I just wanted to sort of almost have a shout out for people like rum and liqueurs, mm-hmm. um, categories that are always in plus growth. Um, somehow seem to fall by the wayside just because gin is surging so so well at the moment so uh, that's doing well in terms of negative growth um rtds uh, and still wine um, so rtds are your kind of ready to drink yeah um yeah so ca- um but i think it's important to sort of uh, attach some caveats to these uh, so for example still wine may be declining but um once broken down there is good news in there so, for example, South American wine is doing really well. So, since the base, um, Argentinian wine in terms of volume sales has doubled. Um, Chile isn't quite so impressive, but it's still going up. I think in the on trade, it's doing particularly well. There's good news in there. There's bits of wine. good news yeah, inside the yeah. broader picture. Um, and I, I think if you break down um, red wine varietals, for example, um, they're all in sort of plus growth. So, it's, it's not as if, you know, uh, the, the wine category dooms or anything like that it's just uh, you need to sort of dig a little bit deeper for the good news 
RTDs, uh, there's a real necessary caveat here, right? Because there's been some reclassifications of certain drinks. Yeah, one of the one of the issues is um, how they're defined, and a lot of the new products that are coming out, so kind of flavored ciders or those types of products, are actually categorised as made wines sure. in a lot of cases. They're not necessarily, or they're ciders, yeah. so they're not necessarily falling under the RTD category, yeah. even though they're kind of similar products. A lot of okay. them. Okay. Um, so the, I mean, RTDs, they're in negative growth. Uh, this quarter, this year, but have been pretty much since we've been doing the market report, there's been a dramatic decline in, in that side of the yeah. market. But it doesn't mean that those products aren't being drunk necessarily. It just might mean that they are shifting across to things like fruit-based yeah. ciders or you know flavoured beers or that type yeah. of thing. So there's somewhere else in the figures yeah. is the point. Yeah, there's, there's, there's still a, a category of those types of products. It just yeah. might not necessarily be coming through as specific RTDs. Okay. Let's delve deeper into uh, the figures. So, uh, sparking wine, Carlo. Yes. Sparking wine is an immovable object. It at is. The moment. It's um, it's bubbling at a, a great rate. Nice, <laughs> nice. Like um, it, it's actually a. It's been for a few years now that we've seen sparkling wine category increase. Um, it's led pretty well by Prosecco. It's a huge growth area um, for what is a pretty, you know, a pretty decent, good value commodity. That's incredibly popular. Um, we've seen with our, our polling that we've done at the, the back of the market report that you know Prosecco is seen as trendy. Um, I think the other other things coming through of it were kind good, of good value, good value, fun, and it's associated um, with the summer. So yes. It's a summer drink. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the charge is being led by Prosecco, which has seen some fantastic growth. However, it's actually good news for all of the category. If you look at uh, Champagne, Champagne's doing pretty well. Um, you've still got very positive growth, uh, both volume and value for champagne. Uh, and within that as well, we have uh, English sparkling wine, um, which is um, booming as well. You know, we had a report saying there's about 5 million bottles produced last year. Uh, the quality of it is pretty exceptional in some cases. Um, uh, and that scene is quite contemporary in the, the polling that we did as well. So it's it's the it's the good news story for the wine industry is that you know all the different categories of sparkling wines are are very popular and doing very well, uh, and, and which might explain why you've seen a kind of slight decline in still wine because you might be seeing consumers moving a little bit towards the sparkling wine uh, as a general drink rather than just a kind of a celebratory drink as as it could have been seen as previously. Okay, well, there's there's two questions that spring to mind about that. And first is they're both of a competitive nature. The first is the one, a sort of market share between sparkling wine and still wine. So I've got I've got some figures here. Uh, broadly speaking, sparkling wine, including champagne, um, only accounts for about ten percent of the market. Um, yet overall, we're seeing decline. So is 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 it a case that sparkling wine is single-handedly propping up the wine market overall, despite um, only having one in ten bottles sold as sparkling wine, or is it's, is that not really true? I mean, it's almost it, it's almost counterbalancing. So if you look at the um, the data for the volume of still wine being sold in the the off trade, um, you've got seven seven point four million hectolitres, and that's declined by about two percent. Um, but if you look at the sparkling wine, that's uh, about uh, seven hundred ninety two thousand hectolitres. That's increased by nearly twenty percent. And those numbers, that kind of 20% increase compared to the 2% decrease in still wine, is almost exactly the same amount in actual volume terms. Okay. So while sparkling wine is growing at a significant rate, it's obviously growing from a much lower base. Mm -hmm. And while 
still wine's falling, it's falling from a much bigger base. So actually, wine in general, total wine sales, are pretty much flat. It's just you're seeing this kind of the drop for still wine with being matched by the increase with sparkling wine. Okay. My second question is, again, of a competitive nature. So um, I had a call from a journalist uh, the other day talking to a, a, um, an article on Bubbly. And um, they asked me a question about this a sort of, is there a competitive edge to sparkling wine versus um, champagne? Well, I, did, I didn't really initially know how to answer him, but it strikes me that that, that isn't really true. There isn't really a competitive edge to this. No, I think it's a difficult one because it's, you know, people lump sparkling wine all together, but you have very different products within the category. Mm. So um, as we saw in our polling, um, you know, Prosecco is very much seen as inexpensive. It's very much seen as a casual, more casual dining um, experience. It's being drunk much more, more often as a replacement for wine. And therefore, it's increasing the number of people who have access to the category. Um, which in turn I think would be good for champagne because you know champagne is is trading at much more of the premium end of the market. It's the you know top quality produce. It's a bit more expensive, but they're seeing growth as well. So if you're getting people more uh, more into their sparkling wine generally, then that that's got to be positive for the champagne uh, producers who have access to consumers that might not necessarily have, have had access before. It's um, it, Champagne's always been the kind of the, the quality end of the product, the quality yeah. end of the market, and it's still there. It's still yeah. seen as, you know, as we've seen, it's, it's the kind of high quality, uh, high, it's, you know, generally a higher price in terms yeah. of the price per litre. Um, so it, it's still in its position where it's always been. It's just benefiting from this kind of broader introduction to sparkling yeah. wine. Yeah. Um, that's happening through other products. Yeah. So um, it's you know going to be on the shelves in the same type of bottles next to Prosecco and Carver and mm. English sparkling wine, and you know will want to be chosen uh, against its competitors. Mm. But it's it's still got its place in the market, and it's not necessarily competing with things like Carver and Prosecco, which are a bit yeah. more kind of casual, inexpensive, everyday. Awesome. And and the, and the good thing is, there's actually a place for all of it. You yeah. know, the, it's good to have a. A diverse range of products in the market that different consumers can can pick in and out of, and, and the market is growing rather than yeah. just people uh, competing for a you know a finite space. Exactly, yeah. yeah sparkling yeah. sparkling wine market is growing, um, and it and it's good to see the the range and variety of, of stuff coming out. I guess the question for if you're a producer of either champagne or another wine, the question is what is making people go from to one category over the other, and can you get that progress from people having, you know, prosecco on a, a weekly or fortnightly basis to, to switching to champagne for the, you know, the, the more you know, celebrations or, or occasions? And a similar thing can be applied for going from, say, sparkling to may, uh, sorry, to still wine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The gender profile of sparkling wine, uh, prosecco particularly, is seen more as female, but actually there's, there's quite a lot of sales to, to both men and men and women. There's a very young um, population that's buying Prosecco. Um, it's not necessarily just young people, but young people in general are are embracing the Prosecco boom. Those kind of people are the ones that, you know, people who are selling still wine are finding it more difficult to attract into the still wine market. Um, the kind of millennials are, as we've seen in some presentations we've had before, are, uh, you know, not as into their wine as, as the older generations are. So the question is how you can, how you can cross over that. And, I think people 
will be looking at how they can use Prosecco as a gateway into other markets. I hate that term gateway. <laughs> um, I really hate it. Um, we've but got if to you can think, if you can think of a better name, then we'll yeah, use that. Yeah, introductory category or something like that. It's you know, it's it's got to be better than gateway. That has bad connotation. Right. Okay. Um, on to gin. Gin, similarly to uh, sparkling, um, is absolutely smashing it at the mm -hmm. moment in terms of um, in terms of growth. And it's, uh, I mean, it's. It, you know, there are positive numbers all over the place, and there have been for some considerable amount of time. I mean, you know, so just to take an example from this market report, uh, you know, volume sales in the on and off trade, 8% um, for the off trade and 14% for the uh, for the on trade. Um, all this is sort of building up into um, sale, yearly sales of nearly a billion. Yeah. Um, if current trends continue, I think uh, we'll get to a billion pounds sort of by the beginning of next year, I think I've projected um, a little while ago. Which is but, huge growth um, from where it was yeah. four years ago. I think it's doubled in the last few years. Almost, yeah. So in the um, in the on-trade, um, I think it's got value growth of about 78%. And I think we're about sort of um, 550 million now. Uh, so what's, what's that? It started at just over 300 million yeah. um, at the base. So, I mean, that's, that's staggering growth in the space of four years. And you know you twin that with uh, the export market, which seems to be booming. So in our last budget submission, we we said that a thirty seven percent increase in exports out of the UK of gin uh, since two thousand eleven. This is this is incredible growth uh, we're seeing. Um, what do you think that is? What, what do you think it is about gin? Well, I think I think a lot can be said for um, the sort of British nature of this product. Um, so there's been a big growth in um, openings of new distilleries. Um, I can't remember the exact figure because I don't have them with me, but I think it's around 60 yeah. in the last four years or something like that. Um, and that's in both England and Scotland. And to put that in, um, into context, I, yeah, I think it's something where 60 or 70. Yeah. That's probably growth of about a third of distilleries yeah, increase. Yeah. It's a huge number, and a lot of those are in England, whereas pre yeah. You know, the majority of distilleries will be up in Scotland for, for whiskey, yeah, but actually yeah. there's been a huge growth in the number of distilleries yeah. in England. Yeah, and particularly within our membership, we can see sort of the growth in our membership of gin distilleries in the recent years. I think it's been excellent as well. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of talk in the industry about, um, you know, sort of brand loyalty, and built into that is uh, the idea of craft and heritage within a product. So uh, to go back to millennials again, um, they're quite picky bunch uh, millennials, so um, they're they're interested in other things. They want to know that you know a gin has come from a local uh, distillery or something like that, uh, and that plays in massively um, to this growth, I think. Mm. And you um, can see the the value growth is out actually outstripping the volume growth. So people are not just buying more gin, but they're buying more expensive gin. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a definite premiumization going on. It's just uh, throughout the spirits category, but particularly with gin. I guess, I guess the question we have to ask ourselves if eventually is this just going to be the cyclical nature of things? Is it you just know, gin's this, turn? Yeah, is it gin's turn? And as with all bubbles, they burst eventually. Um, to be honest with you, uh, if that does happen, I don't think it will be any time soon. There's plenty of room for growth if you look at the figures. Um, it's still, um, I still, I think it's still only third or fourth um, in the tables um, in the CJN Nielsen data. Um, you've got them there, haven't you? So yeah, so fifth, fifth, sorry, fifth in the entree. Um, incidentally, it's reached five million um, liters um, this quarter uh, in yearly volume growth, which is 
which is excellent. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's it's not it doesn't seem to be coming at the expense of other products because the no. spirits category overall is still growing. Mm. So it doesn't see it's not as if it's shifting around the whole the whole category. Yeah. Increasing. Yeah. There's I've, there's barely a negative growth number in the figures. Um, it's it's really quite incredible. I guess um, that's an interesting sort of twist uh, to gin that if gin what the, the gin bubble ever was to burst. Um, then, you know, I guess the spirits category would survive. I guess the question is how big can gin get? Yeah. So at the moment it's, as you say, 5 million hectolitres, but that compares to, what, 17 million for, for vodka and yeah. 15 million for, for whiskey yeah. in the on-trade. So, you know, could gin hit, could gin treble and be the same size as the whiskey market? Well, that plays back into the, the room for growth uh, argument, doesn't it, with gin? Um you know, I mean, why, why, why couldn't it be that, that high? I mean, uh, whiskey. Add to that, it's sort of uh, potential for exports. Mm. Um, I mean, whiskey has staggering exports. I think what's it? Um, export about a billion liters a year or something like that. I think we'll have to check that. Yeah, we'll have to check that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, something yeah. about that. Yeah. million liters. But I mean, gin is as distinctly British as whiskey is. Yeah. I mean, Scottish people may hate me for saying that, but you know, sort of, why couldn't it be like that? There's absolutely no reason why not. Yeah. Um, so to conclude, Carlo, um, what are the overarching themes that we can take from the latest market report? Um, I think the a clear one is that it's still uh, tough trading times. You know, the off trade, for example, hasn't grown at all in terms of volumes. Um, the on trade still declining slightly, uh, and in particular, the wine side. You know, if you're a still wine producer or distributor or retailer, uh, it's it's tough times. Um, you know, you're seeing your market decline slightly. Uh, the value growth is it's kind of it's flatlining a little bit. Well, incidentally, actually, I did do some work on this, um, and that growth uh, in terms of value appears to be slowing. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to speculate here, but um, so I think um, three years ago we were we were seeing declines of about three percent. Yeah. That has slowed to uh, less than one percent now yeah. in the last quarter. So. You know, there could there could, could be, be brighter brighter you know, ahead. So and stability is definitely better than negative yeah. growth. And you know, arguably less than one percent is stability if you factor in a margin for error. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess the takeaway is looking at you know, the market as a whole is it's stable, it's buoyant, there's really there's some good points, particularly kind of sparkling wine and gin as we've talked about. Uh, but it's still tough times. So you know, that's why you're seeing a lot of kind of you know, merger activity and, and buyout activity and, and consolidation in the industry because you know it's still tough trading times. Fighting over market share is uh, is tough. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Carlo. Any news coming out from WSTA at the moment? Non-market report related, please. Well, of course, um, the uh, annual conference is coming up. Um, it, members would have seen a, should have seen an email from Jess highlighting yeah. that our annual conference is going to be happening in September uh, with a theme of innovation, I think. That's right. And I think the early bird early discount bird is discount. about to expire. Exactly. So people need to get on it. Yeah. Great. Okay, Carlo, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris.